0: I'm Monica Johnson with Marshall Weber, and this is Bookland Calling. Welcome, welcome to our show, uh, Bookland Calling, where we talk about artists, libraries, and social justice. We are Monica and Marshall, your hosts, and we're also both artists who head up Brooklyn Inc., a non, an arts nonprofit located in Brooklyn, New York, on the unceded land of the Muncie Lenape people. And we created Brooklyn Calling to amplify voices in the artist book field and to explore art making as a tool for community engagement and for social change. And today, our fabulous guest is Fred Rin Hi, Fred. Hello there. You are a San Francisco-based urban folk artist who uses found materials, outsider aesthetics, and your unique painting, drawing, and writing style to create an asto- astounding artist books that expand and then explode all preconceptions of both the book arts and cultural critique. Fred documents skewed underground worlds that few of us have been cursed or privileged to encounter with an equally disturbing perspective. Fred is also a musician uh, and is a member of the band National Disgrace uh, and I think several others as I'm learning. Um, And we at Brooklyn have worked with Fred since our organization's inception in 1999 and Marshall and Fred's relationship goes back even further. Um, Fred is a super prolific creator of over a hundred unique artist books. I want to fact check that it might even be way more. Um, and has been eclect- collected at institutions all across the country and the world welcome Fred Rin to our show. Um, Marshall and I had a really nice conversation right before we hopped on and we've been sort of reminiscing about, you know, but Marshall and I both spent a, a long time living in San Francisco, not knowing each other whatsoever. Um, but during the same time period. And so we were kind of talking about your relationship, your identity relationship to San Francisco. Do you guys want to start about talking, start off by talking about your relationship where you met, which I believe was in San Francisco in the 1980s?
1: Well, it is in the inky past. Um, uh, There was something called Club Nine uh, that was uh, kind of a combination disco kind of scene downstairs at a bunch of art uh, installations upstairs. And, Somebody told me about that, and I go in and talk to some somebody there about having an installation. He says, yeah, sure, no problem. And I get back and talk to my friend. I said, God, this guy I talked to, he was in a business suit, and he wasn't an asshole. I couldn't believe it. Whoa. It turns out to be Marshall. So I was like, holy crap. It was the best. So, yeah, we had a great time there we go upstairs and plug our stuff into uh, the, the kind of these little rooms, you know, and, and just, just, just crank.
0: So, so you guys met at a disco and.
1: Yep, we met, you guys met a at disco. a disco
0: disco and then, and and now <laughs> you make collaborative artist books together. That's right. so what,
1: yeah. what's,
0: what's between yeah, that? It, what, 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 what transpired?
1: Well, it, well, it, it's like the lyrics of that song back then. Um, um, I uh, was looking around the room, and I was getting really strange. And then, uh, as soon as I knew it, I began to change. I flapped my arms and proceeded to cluck. Look at me! I'm a disco duck. <laughs> yeah, I
2: remember that.
1: Yeah, it started it's the whole pretty thing pretty much off, what it really. was. Just
2: it was just what it was like. Um, yeah, but we. It played has, music you know, together for a long time before we made books.
1: Yeah, yeah. He 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 had one one show we had uh, with um, National Disgrace. We were uh, twanging away on stage and I looked over and uh, Mursa's got this giant kind of decrepit fur coat on and, and a pig mask, so it kind of looks like some mutant uh, penguin. Uh, and he's doing some sort of wild gyrating disco dance. And the fur is literally flying off in chunks into the, the, the audience. It was such a sight. Marshall. Ah, those days. We were hanging out in Berkeley and, and somebody said, yeah, you know, a friend of mine was at a melted record party in New Jersey. And I said, what? I said, I, I don't know. They just played melted records all night. And I said, oh, shit, let's give that a try and so we did and um that was our vocalist so instead of a vocalist we just play melted records uh, and wait, wait, so um, is melted uh,
0: records like you you melt them and then you still try to put them on a turntable and play them so it's kind of like a wavy record right. is that what that means okay
1: yeah yeah totally um <laughs> that's a thing and, uh, i know that now so, yeah yeah, you have to kind of tie the arm down because once to just black, flip r- right off it, you know. But it's what happens is you you get like a a, um, a focus on that song. It, it just kind of kind of knocks into this one groove that really defines the entire sound. So you take like a Peter Frampton record, okay? He had this one song, "I'm in You, You're in Me," an awesome <laughs> song. But if you melt it. Okay. You, you got, I got a tape somewhere where Peter Frampton's in the background, just going, you're in, you're in, you're in. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, how do you top that? You just can't, you know? When did the books start for you, Fred? Cause you were doing band books. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the first one was and man, it's well, um, See, I, I had I had a project for um, a uh, – I, I took a printmaking class. It, it was actually a bookbinding class. I barely got into – I mean, the teacher looked at my, my stuff and kind of like, oh, okay, if somebody else cancels. They did, so I got in. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so – So it
0: was kind uh, of on kind a whim of, you know, that you got yeah,
1: into this. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. I kind of uh, – You know, fought the hard-won battle of learning how to do this, this you know, technical stuff, you know, which, I don't know, some of which I got, some of which uh, took a lot lot of improvement. A couple of my books had to be rebound once they got there. I I heard that people looked at them and said, oh, Jesus, well, we have to send this to somebody who can sew. Anyway, I used to write for these underground uh, publications, and and then my friends started something called Filth uh magazine um so yeah i was on the staff of, of filth you know so you could go go to a show like you were a reporter you know so yeah what was filth social... magazine what did what Filth did uh, magazine
0: report on kind of
1: a culture zine you know but uh it sort of had whatever people were interested in uh, somebody covered music somebody else covered uh Art a little bit, uh, mainly just just weird, weird, ugly, horrible culture stuff. Uh, I guess it was kind of a culture critique mag, um, centered around Oakland San Francisco. Uh, so anyway, I, I wrote this article uh, about all the bands I had been in called All My Bands, and and then so sort of like at this class I was taking a couple of years later, uh, I kind of made that my class project to get that. Uh, so I ink jetted it, uh, onto some decent paper and then sewed up a bunch. So I went up with, uh, I love this edition, I forget 25 or 30 of them or something. Um, and that was kind of my first book. Uh, one of the only multiples actually I've ever done, uh, everything else was done. Uh, yeah. I did this, uh, man, that was, yeah, I need something. <laughs> Back then, I was trying to get a job. I remember being in an office downtown in some skyscraper, and I got going okay, hand in the application. The guy looks at it, you know, and he says, well, Mr. Ryan, what did you do between 1983 and 2000 or something like that? I just went completely blank. I just, uh, (laughs) just, yeah, I couldn't come up with anything uh (laughs) i uh i think i said i don't do anything i just hang around you know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but um i remember this one i did i think the first one i did i can't remember what the contents of it was but i remember i i um bound it with uh old uh, a shot pair of jeans that i had i just glued that onto the uh the the cardboard and uh shipped that off and to marshall and and uh and then I don't know, sometime later I said, okay, uh, that's, that's sold, uh, do another one. Uh, so, so I just kept doing it and, you know, that's uh, still at it.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've heard that a lot in Bookland's history, just talking to people that somebody will send Marshall a book or hand Marshall a book and then it sells. And then Marshall just says, can you do another one? And, and that's kind of the, <laughs> the artistic career arc of like so many people's experience within Brooklyn, yeah and and, and and is that sort of the progression of like you did another one and you did another one and then you decided to do one together or how did you start like making them together
1: um that sort of started pretty early on as i recall uh but yeah we we just kind of pitch ideas back and forth you know and and, and whatnot so uh it becomes i don't know it's kind of weird it's almost like 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 an idea factory starts happening you know like like what about you know yeah like uh, okay the um, the uh, 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 current event political stuff as science fiction you know and and uh, just just you know just kind of take this particular chunk maybe this piece of history like we 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 collaborated on one called Bedtime for Bremer uh, talked about uh, L. Paul Bremer who was like the supposed to be the viceroy of of Iraq. <laughs> Uh, put in there by by Cheney and Bush G, Bush uh, what the hell Junior or Senior anyway. Um, so like bed, bedtime for Bonzo but, yeah.
0: spinoff, in other words right right exactly mm-hmm.
1: exactly the
0: movie that Ronald Reagan started in 1951.
1: Well yeah yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah, Ronald Reagan he was an actor a fascist uh, actor also. Uh, I, I never saw the movie it's just a picture of him hanging out with a chimpanzee. And uh, I figured that Chimp probably did a better job, really.
2: I think it's interesting, though, that what Fred's describing is a relationship with underground press and publishing and writing that turns into, you know, documentation of music. And, you know, there you have lyrics and writing and then making your own liner notes and making your own book about the bands. When me and Fred started talking about artists, books both of us had already kind of experience in DIY publishing so that, that's interesting to me
1: yeah one one thing one thing kind of feeds the other i think how art came together for me uh is 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 really kind of where you do these different things and they kind of feed off each other so the writing would feed the painting the painting would feed the music with national disgrace we tried to have a slogan uh we like to sing about sculpture, uh, sculptured sound and soundy sculpture.
0: So Fred, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but I want you to know that I am a member of the uh, Fred Wren fan club. And for as long as I've oh been God. with Brooklyn, I really loved your work. One thing that we don't really talk about that often is that Brooklyn has a zine club and you happen to be a member of our zine club which i think is wonderful and i i so appreciate that you joined our zine club and you receive i think we send you a zine every few months or so and so in uh communicating about the zine club um i've enjoyed two two interactions with you okay so one is when you join the (laughs) zine club we send you a little survey and we say like you know here's here are these check boxes of like subject matters to help us understand what kind of zines you like to read or what kind of reading materials you like. And then we also ask, are there any subjects that you do not want to explore? Like, we don't want to, you know, be tedious and send you zines about a particular topic if you're like already maxed out or you're just not interested. And um, you didn't check any of like the pre-scripted boxes, but we always leave an other box at the end. So if there's something we missed, we didn't consider, you could could let us know. And you checked that box and you wrote poultry processing. (laughs) <laughs> do you remember? Well, just
1: yeah, uh, uh, yeah it does. I think yeah. Uh, wow, I don't know what uh, uh, the antihistamines must have been kicking in now uh, that particular day. Um, uh, <laughs> but if do you not care about poultry
2: processing?
1: No, I really do. I I, I just was flashing, uh, <laughs> I guess, on this this turkey plant. I had a flashback actually that. Because I worked at a turkey factory uh, one summer in Turlock, California, actually, that uh, produced turkeys. I mean, yeah, yeah. they, they uh-huh. come in live and come out dead. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, that was something else. But, um, you know, if anybody does a zine about poultry processing, that probably would be, you know, kind of unique. I mean, it would stand out. I don't know. <laughs>
0: It definitely put me on alert for zines about poultry processing, but you know, those are not going to come to you. Um, the the (laughs) second thing, um, that you offered our zine club was a testimonial. And so these are things that I think the platform we use is like automates, like requests, like write a testimonial for Brooklyn. You wrote rejoice and pop the bloated ticks of inequity exclamation point. (laughs) Well yeah yeah that's, that's pretty which I, much which what, I want to use as about. our our theme yeah <laughs> I wonder do you remember writing that what how do I how, oh, yeah. how can oh, we yeah. love this more by understanding yeah what is that
1: <laughs> Well yeah it 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 just I don't know you know sometimes the the, the philosophy just just pops right out You
2: know you got to remember that Fred lives in California the land of um you know Nancy Pelosi and um Blow Feinstein. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's particularly uh uh inequity uh, inequity um it's the 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 din of inequity is what what somebody described it uh, the situation we have and uh, yeah it, it's pretty extreme I mean this is like Taylor Two Cities over here in San Francisco. It's like holy crap
0: how do you how do you enjoy Z club so far as a member?
1: it's nice i like i i like to get surprised you know something uh also well i like to see what's going on what people are doing and um it's it's more i like to get a broad spectrum you never know where it's coming from next, and uh that that's that's my favorite thing really. I used to like that with uh, with radio. Like uh, a lot of my friends, actually, uh, and some bandmates as well, were in college radio for a long time. Which is as as a genre is almost going extinct now because of the internet radio. Although WFMU rules, but anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, uh, I agree.
1: So, I, I I kind of got really a. a, a I really enjoyed it because like uh, you turn it on, you wouldn't know what the hell was going to happen next, you know, and that, uh, that, you know, classical jazz, free jazz, God knows what, you know, that, yeah. You know, that's, um, that's kind of how to, how media ought to be in my book, <laughs> you know?
0: I like that. I like thinking that like Brooklyn Zine Club is sort of like college radio where you just don't know what mm-hmm. you're going to get, yeah. but you're open to the experience yeah. and that's cool. Oh, yeah. I hope, I hope that's how it feels to, to most of the people that are members.
1: They should. And if not, they should really take a good deep look in the mirror and reassess themselves. <laughs> so there.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so with I looking in the mirror in mind, Fred, I'm um, to ask you to take a good deep look in the mirror and, um, you have an entire audience and your work is shown fairly frequently at all these museums and libraries and classrooms. Um, And it's very painterly. So uh, in a way, sometimes I use the word illuminated manuscript because you're one of the few people who hand paints unique books, um, not just in the United States, but really in the world. Um, And so, I'm wondering how you see yourself as a painter and I'm wondering how you see yourself as someone who primarily paints artist books and what that feels like and what's that like for you?
1: Yeah, um, Well, I, I guess that with painting itself, it's kind of like uh, a sculpture in a way as opposed to graphics. Um, and and so there's just a certain physical hand-eye kind of deal, you know. They're going straight straight to your hands and, and your body is kind of in this dance, I guess you could say, um, to get this thing out. You sort of become a, a machine. You, well, if you listen to techno anyway, if you're painting. I think with painting, I think you maybe your, your feelings come out more directly or not mediated as much uh than other other forms. But I don't know. I mean printmaking. I I I I've always wanted to do printmaking, but never had the time to lay into it, you know, because it it it's a hell of a thing. But I've done a few uh you know like silk screens and things like that, like that. Uh I sort of wound up settling on on you know acrylic acrylic on paper and kind of developed a technique where you mix a little bit of gesso in there so the pages won't stick together, uh, and and um, so you know you sort of get get a technique going um, that uh, that works for you. And I, I like to to see how what what I can do with w- with an image. Like I'll get an idea, and I have to just kind of let a picture form in my mind, and then I shoot for it. And it may be what I had in mind, or it may not be. Sometimes. Um, I'll, I'll I'll be going at it and and I get done for the night and look at it and go well this looks like crap you know I, <laughs> I'll fix it tomorrow and then the next day I'm like wow well, actually you know I think I'm just going to leave it you know <laughs> I don't know uh, you know so like knowing when to stop is is uh, is is as important as as knowing when to start that's weird
2: we were talking about how important humor is to your work especially because um, in the field in general, I think, I don't know, there's not a lot of humor done in artist books, but very often people see you as like, you're the humorist in the field. And I think that's kind of interesting. I always try to have one of your books if I'm doing a big selection or a show or something like that, just because, um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done along the lines of like the environment and racism. And like you said, inequity and, You know anti-war stuff, and 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 you provide a, you know you have very progressive politics, and are you know I was me and Monica were talking before about your anti-war kind of protests, your you know the the um slammy windshield anti-war protest crew, um so tell us about the humor, tell us about like how how you use humor.
1: Well, I, I actually, you know, it's funny because I remember one anti-war demonstration that we got dressed up as the bring downs in, uh, you included, uh, and, and uh, we were like dressed up as like kind of decrepit 1970s um, glam uh, rejects. Um, and we, we, we had signs, you know, like, like just kind of knock off anti-war signs like war is like nowhere, man. You know, we're standing right. And, like, it was cool because people liked – we sort of were entertaining the uh, the anti-war troops. Uh, and people really got off <laughs> on that. And there's this huge demonstration. Market Street was just full of people. And it was kind of, kind of like the mascots gone bad, you know, uh, demonstrating. Uh, I, I think our friend Charlie had, like, this weird donkey's – full donkey's head, realistic donkey's head mask on you know and and uh god damn you know just that that sort of feeling of uh i guess kind of a solidarity thing uh you, you know but yeah you know just kind of the, the you know the idea i, I think is uh uh towards victory of any struggle morale is imperative um so uh, you know, basically, uh, we must maintain discipline and morale at all times. Uh, so, you know, to, to glean the fruit of the victory from the broad, for the broad masses, um, of the Lumen.
0: So one thing that we say a lot and probably in a lot of podcasts is that, and something in Brooklyn's history is that artist books are, um, like children's books for adults. And there are certain artists who really help us bring that point home very clearly and your your unique artist books really do that um and i don't know if you know this fred but there's this one really beautiful moment um in our recent history where we were hosting a classroom of about 20 high schoolers i think they were juniors or seniors and we were, you know, doing lots of like bookmaking things, but we also were showing them an array of different takes on artist books. And um I have this wonderful photo. Maybe if I'm I'm with it later, I'll, I'll post the photo within the uh podcast notes. But it's Marshall reading, kind of like reading a bedtime story style, like page by page reading <laughs> a trip to the liquor store by fred wren oh, right. this and seriously like wrapped audience of not children oh, but, <laughs> and it was it was so wonderful it was it was so con- it was everyone was just so quiet and listening And i'm like this is exactly the point that we're trying to make um but another thing that right. you know marshall and i have been talking about a lot is like You know tactile learning um especially in the context of all the education programming that that bookland's been doing in particular with with kids who i'm not you know kids ages like seven to ten who probably maybe not ready for a fraud run book but who knows i don't know (laughs) maybe they are but your your books um when i hold them like i i have my own experience with your books that that is that is mine and i love it and one of them is that when I held it, I felt kind of that, you know, that that alive feeling like, maybe as kids, we all have an experience of the book where the where the book becomes its own life. And you're holding a you're holding oh, a possibility yeah. or something and, and more than anything, it made me want to make books. And I'm, I'm really serious. Right. Like, I still have like,
1: right.
0: a book that I'm working towards. That's like, it's not an imitation of a Fred Wren book, but I'm kind of chasing the the flame that oh, i yeah, felt yeah, cool. when i when i read your books and i wondered if there's like some more filling in the blanks of like how i'm meeting the book and how you see that play within the landscape of what bookland does and yeah and and tactile learning and and children's books for adults well
2: I I think it's there's something about the painted book like Fred paints the whole book he paints the covers he paints the text he's he's done a lot of different styles with mixing screen print and painting but primarily and and over the past few years been doing this very interesting cutting in the letters you know painting a color field and then mm. cutting you know painting letters around it Fred's books they are completely handmade they're not bound perfectly there, there's like, everything is painted. They're heavier because there's a lot of paint. It's not like a, you know, not like a little wash <laughs> or something like this, it's a lot of paint, mm-hmm. there's more paint than there mm-hmm. is paper. And um, what you're talking about, Monica, is 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 that, that tactile feel, the weight, kind of the chalkiness mm-hmm. of that gesso acrylic mix that Fred is talking about. Um, yeah. And the fact that it's really like, you know, it, it it's not a printed book. It's, it, it's not a, it, I mean, Fred has done editions of, you know, painted books. He's also done other books that are printed, but I think the, the, the unique painted books are, they're just chunky. You know, it's a, it, it, it is a thing. And then you can go one step not further on. and say, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a living, it's a living thing. And I love unique books and I love painting. So, um, and you know, and I knew Fred as a musician and a performer and a painter. Um, and I knew he, 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 you know, cause Fred's writing is like his painting. It's very expressionistic and he's got, um, a persona that is always there. Like Monica asked me, you know, I'm scared to meet Fred because what if he's not like my imagination of who he is, which is just simply a projection yeah. of his work. And I said, Fred is a projection of his work,
1: <laughs> yeah, pro, and, yeah, and Fred's
2: work is a projection of Fred. Like yeah. there's no, there's no disappointment
0: there. <laughs> None. I am. I am. For the record, I am. I am very pleased to be. You are fulfilling everything or anything I could imagine.
2: Yeah. Oh my god! We had thought that maybe you would read a book or two fred and i had mentioned that uh, to you and, and I, I wondered if you're prepared to do that
1: what i've got right now is uh, okay I, I did a website uh through um uh other uh dot com and so it's com, and so there i have a pile of them done um, the newer stuff so I can read off this. Okay, One Night in NYC. And I think the, the, this is a gripping a news story that, that I did, uh, a, a very short book about One Night in New York City. Okay, Mercer Street, New York City, May 6th, 2009. Okay. And then in the club, Submercer, the after party for the Mets Costume Institute Gala. And there's kind of gala looking people. Okay, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and his date attend. And there's Kiefer with uh, kind of a grumpy-looking, much younger lady. Um, <laughs> and then Brooke Shields and her fashion designer um, date, uh, Jack McCullough, is there. And uh, Brooke is is holding a uh, a uh, a clutch. Okay and he's in a black t-shirt and and then next one everybody was wasted and uh yeah they're all standing around drinking talking and their eyes are getting red uh the next one is jack mcculloch jostles or bumps or pushes brooke shields so you can't tell there's a controversy there okay and and uh brooke falls down but not all the way okay um the spectacle of the fall of Brooke causes rage and derangement in the mind of Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, <laughs> Keefe Kiefe goes cuckoo. He heads butts Jack McCulloch breaking Jack's nose to defend the honor of Brooke Shields. And he's he he's bump ahead bumping a patow PTOW. And that's it. Uh, the, um, the end piece has just uh, a rumpled looking um keeper uh, leaving the place and somebody else leaving and and that's 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 the end of that that particular one um <laughs> let's see we have uh i want to say i've take... been reading
0: i've been looking i've been reading along as you've been reading i went to your oh, website cool. i found the book and so I'm like, all it right, kind of reminds right. me of the like deep pandemic moments where like, there were all these online children's book readers and maybe they still are, where they like read children's <laughs> wow. books digitally. And so I'm like, that's what I'm doing with Fred.
1: This one, I think it w- would work as a red book. Um, uh, I mean, r- you know, red, uh, R E A D, uh, behind the wall of vinyl sleep it, it's, it's on there. This guy knows a friend of mine who has the coolest record store in Ventura, California. And this guy is like, um, I don't know. I never met him. My friend uh, met him uh, in Ventura, California. And he, this guy is like obsessed with records. It's like totally, I mean, his his mind is rock and roll. And so he would come in with a big pile of dreams he's written down and hand them to my friend who forwarded them to me and said, God, this guy's dreams are just whack. You got to check this out. So I wound up doing a book, uh, Behind the Wall of Vinyl Sleep, um, about that, which I could start out with. It's uh, just the, the dreams of Kevin Anderson transcribed by Grady Minion imagery uh, that I did, uh, black and white. Um, but is this the so one that uh, we this...
0: distributed? Because if, if this is the same <laughs> one, I... I'm, it's at the Athenaeum of uh, Music and Arts Library in La Jolla? Is yeah, that, is so. that ringing bell, Marshall? That's true. Yeah, yep. So that's it where is it is.
2: Be- yeah, it was a big okay, double so, whammy uh, for them, art music <laughs> together, no brainer.
1: Yeah, this, yeah, this, uh, this guy's dreams. I mean, he's got. I I, I just pulled. i I think. I think it's ten of them uh, off of here. But okay, two eighteen ninety eight. The police have a large cornfield surrounded. Greg Alman is hiding out in it. An officer with a bullhorn is ordering him to come out. Suddenly he drives out of the cornfield. He's driving a van covered with paintings of skulls and tombstones, drinking a beer. He drives through the crowd of police. They jump aside, he escapes. (laughs) And then Dan Quayle is riding. Okay, Dan Quayle is riding a bucking bronco in a rodeo. He gets thrown into the grandstands. I leave and walk to my car. In the parking lot is a 25-foot tall statue of Rocky Erickson. What the hell? A okay, T-Rex. Oh, okay. 72099. T-Rex is playing at my old elementary school auditorium, and they are excellent. The set ends, and the MC comes up and tells us the move is gonna play next. The curtain rises, and on stage are four department store mannequins holding toy instruments. The crowd starts booing and throwing bottles. <laughs> and, uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Nine 9-11, eleven. Wow. Nine eleven oh seven. Okay. I'm staying at my friend's Buddhist apartment in Old Town Ventura. The television has a news flash on it that Peter Fonda robbed a car wash in Reseda. <laughs> and then. Uh, yeah, Okay, blue oyster oh, cult and me are on the run from Russian agents. We are in the Midwest driving a muscle car past fields of corn. <laughs> That's a hell of a dream. I mean, what really, corn? uh, yeah, now
0: what's the some of them are really kind Did of
1: inspiring. It... I, I, know, I, yeah, this one here, I, I found I think this is the most uh, uh inspirational. I've really kind of really curious about maybe this, this is a possibility for performance <clears throat> to twelve oh well those 603. I'm in a group watching a club watching a group called spider brain. The lead singer just sings gibberish off of three by five cards on stage. With them are people doing jumping jacks and slapping themselves in the face. That's it.
0: What makes you what drives you to make books? Do you do you know, or is that a question that doesn't even need to be answered?
1: I guess you you, you kind of get um, an obsession about something or other, and you just sort of gotta gotta get it out. You know, it's kind of like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I like um I I I was did some art uh, up north in Portland, and and the guy said, well, okay, I can. Um, I can't pay much for this painting, What I can do is, is, uh, you know, give a small amount and, and also I can send you some records I'd say, okay, that sounds cool. Cause you know, they let me have a show there. And it was nice. This record store turn, turn, turn in Portland. It's a really cool place. Uh, smeg hangs out there. So, you know, it's good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that um, a band. so he sent me a whole, a whole, yeah, <laughs> right. Right. A whole box. Okay, a whole box of Pat Boone records. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's like a whole box of Pat Boone records. Uh, No, I I, they're horrible. You you put them on and you just get sicker. It's music that kind of saps you and makes you feel sicker and weaker listening to it. I don't know. I I just something must be done. You know, just I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I, I guess it's just how one, one reacts. Um, I don't know. It's like you know, you just remember these weird pieces of yeah. stuff that one uh, kind of happens, and I don't know why those things stuck to me. But God, I don't know. It seems like it deserves. I
0: kind of understand it. Like, do you do you, <laughs> I don't do you feel like having made all these books about these things that are not one type of thing, but as you describe them, like things that you just need to get out? Do you feel like you get them out, and they're like a little bit out, like before they were in you and now they're a little outside you or like, does it, what, what is the difference between but the before and after of having made the book? Um, you know,
1: I, I, I kind of feel, I, I guess it feels kind of uh, almost a sense of completion. Um, I hate the word closure because it really doesn't describe anything, but uh, I guess there is kind of a sense of, you know, you've sort of maybe put the thing to bed or something um it, yeah. it's, it's, it's you know because you, you have a feeling that you know wow something i i should do something about this or or with this or the, this is material damn yeah you know um yeah i think uh it's like uh it took some science classes you know biology type classes uh one time or other and Uh, some teacher said there was some quote about some explorer botanist or something is up to his neck and freezing water bitten by leeches, you know, and he's saying it's all data, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's all, it's all good for something. If he, you know, I don't know if he survived, but you know, Uh, but yeah, it's it's just one kind of, I guess, yeah, perspective, you, you know,
0: now that you've, I mean, now that we're sort of thinking of it this way, there's a there, there's a new perspective I have on your work, which is not to put like a rationale in your own brain. But like I can kind of see these books as like the maybe the the data of life that didn't find its application or something that they just like hung out in your head. And they were you just they were there. And it was like what what send what we make sense of things sometimes by making a book out of them. And it's sort of. Yeah, becomes its own sense right. once it's done.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I think um, I sort of have a, a attitude toward uh, uh, art or creating things or whatever. Like, uh, just create the thing, and it will find a home at some point. You know, um, and and so this this these ideas or whatever will kind of uh, come out in the wash.
2: You chronicle. Um, you both chronicle real subcultures, but you also look at pop culture through the lens of subculture or underground culture. Um, you know, so there's a critical element, but I also think you're like kind of a little bit of a you're a California artist. And, and I one thing I've always really mired about your books, I'm, I'm a really big fan about using techniques of vernaculars from different media and, you know, works on paper artist books. And a lot of your, like a lot of artist books and a lot of illustration and a lot of graphics are very like, you know, straight on, like almost like a theatrical stage. You're just looking and the stuff happens to you across, you know, it's almost like the horizon line is always present across the, the kind of uh, horizontal composition of the book, but you frequently use cinematic angles. Like you, you do illustrations from below, from above. Um, you were doing drone illustrations, you know, God's eye illustrations long before drones. You even did a book about drones. Um, but can you talk to me about like how you paint with that knowledge of like three dimensionality? Because I think it's an important it goes back to what you were talking about. Sculpture, I think is really interesting. The kind of that cinematic eye.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, uh, well, I guess because really, um, you know, film and, and video and whatever is kind of how, I guess it's, you know, informs how we see the world uh, and just getting outside and bopping around, uh, you, you really have kind of a different, uh, diff, different, angle on stuff. Um, and, and, and it, it's good to just kind of import that into, well, just, you know, it clashes with the book structure, um, to an extent, it's kind of good to challenge that structure to the greatest extent possible really, you know, to see how far out you can get with, a just you know a different whammo on 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 a view um you know just like you know sort of doing 3d paper engineering and stuff like 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 you know pop-up books and stuff which are good too actually so that's that's wild but uh you know it's uh it's a lot of fun i was just looking at this one uh um okay yeah trip to the liquor store actually um kind of get this kind of look at that yeah but um well, part of it too is is just sort of like your own personal experiences your own visual experiences I, I guess you know where uh like this thing is about kind of the uh, sets in Los Angeles you know so I I start out I'm up in the mountains with a bunch of coyotes which really happened uh out of uh, Chatsworth, California, me and my friend went up. We tried to go night hike, and and we got out of the car and in about fifteen feet. Suddenly, we hear what sounds like sixty coyotes screaming bloody murder. It sounds like they've hauled a big animal down and are screaming blood. It scared the shit out of us. We got the hell out of there. But I mean, it was clear that that they they rule, not humans. You know, at at, at night, you really kind of had that uh, that feeling, you know, and so you're up high looking down on everything, which is is just, just a totally weird perspective, like, you know, if you're in the mountains or in the, the hills, uh, especially at night, you, you're you very disoriented. Um, you know, and so I don't know how, how to relate that uh, to a flat surface, huh? you know, it's fun. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, my fate, one of my favorite examples, and we mentioned it earlier a trip to the liquor store. One of my, the, the point of view is you're looking up from the ground at the sole of the main protagonist's shoe as he runs along. And um, I, I just flashed to that book, and uh, it, it's interesting. It, it, your style is almost contagious. So I wrote this description of that book for our website. I just want to read that real quick because I just felt like I was using your voice and um, this <laughs> book had, it was really interesting too. This book went off to some some private dealer really liked it and um, they took it and they kind of never did anything with it. And years later I realized, where's that book? And I went and I got it back from them um, after that's like kind of pulling a tooth out um, and like, the book had been away for years and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And, and, and essentially two weeks later, it got sold to Tufts university. Um, but when I first got it (laughs) back, I looked at it and I was kind of rolling on the floor. And I, the description I wrote was essential Fred Wren, our nation's best love narrator of white trash Americana shenanigans. This book has it all canine cops, tar pits, the little smoke, a treasure for any library or collection.
0: You know, when I read that, all I right. also was like, You channeled, do you know Bill Hader's character, Stefan, on SNL?
2: Right. Oh, well, Wrong okay. crowd,
0: maybe. But, but like yeah. the, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's never... like, This club has it all. And then lists like three yeah. different, anyway. And I was like, Maybe you channeled someone else there too, but great description That's... nonetheless.
2: Yeah, you have to be open. I I mean, for me, it was like, I, I think Fred's books are always kind of a satire on everything, including themselves. And so it's like that description is a satire about the whole book selling business as much of it is a description of the book, but only the book allows that to happen. It's like this essential culture bomb.
0: Fred, do you have anything like that you would call a children's book? We,
2: you did one for me. We, we, we did an edition of ten, I recall, for Thorne.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That took a long That's, time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, it was fun. Um, there, I, I did. Um, um, yeah, the imagery on on that was. Um, from a trip I took, there was a couple of trips I took uh, hitchhiking, uh, where uh, me and a friend went to. Uh, well, we drove across country to New York and then then hitchhiked back. Uh, we got a ride to actually it was Rhode Island. At this one place we stopped at with a shattered billboard um, was occupied by Jody Foster's army. Uh, actually, they at one point there was this trip we took where. Uh, this place had been just kicked apart. It, it just like, and 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 all this graffiti uh, was spray painted on this shattered, kicked apart building. A fuck cowboy shithole. and Jody Foster's army, um, and <laughs> it was in a- Arizona. Is it, this I is
0: guess. a band, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a band. Okay. Yeah, okay. They, yeah.
1: But yeah, they, they were inspired by um, John Hinckley tried to shoot Reagan, and and. Um, he, he was said to have been inspired by um, Jodie Foster and he did it to impress her. Um, so I guess oh, right. watching the taxi yep. driver, you know, and so, so this band calls itself Jodie Foster's army, you know, we'll impress you, Jodie. You know, I mean, what the hell? Okay. So that was a, I got to break
2: bunch. in here. Because I remember that trip. That was when we were on our way to New Orleans because we wanted to go yeah. to the Republican convention because you had <laughs> printed a thousand posters that said crackheads for Bush and uh, you right, wanted to put, right, put them up yeah. all over the country. And then we actually went to the Republican convention and we postered those everywheres and we had all these conversations with Republicans about Crackheads for Bush, and um, yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> we met one kid at the Republican Convention there. It was in New Orleans, which was insane. Um, yeah, and 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 and, <laughs> and 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 he had totally the opposite response. I remember we we would pass them out to people, and we'd also put them up, and we passed it out to this one guy. He was like a Ken doll, and he said, "Yeah, this is totally true because." George Bush will keep the crack coming. <laughs> oh he was yeah, glad. You never know. He what, believed. Uh, he was glad that crackheads yeah. were voting for Bush. And he said, are you guys <laughs> working for the crackheads?
0: And I'm, mm, like, <laughs> <wow.">
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now now, if you did that, you'd probably get on the, uh, the anti-terrorism watch list, no fly list, no anything <laughs> list. I don't know what... <laughs> or just it's, it's gotten pretty, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, that that that's probably uh, I know it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty leaden okay. these days.
2: Okay, <laughs> oh, you man. just so listen to this. The description for the poster at the Destroy Art Gallery says that it's a crackheads Bush 88 poster 1988. Rare, <laughs> it's, so <laughs> it's, it's rare, way- Fred. It's hard to get now. It's a rare poster. Oh no! It's mint. It's Ooh. a mint condition, though. Who's James Stark? Wow. Well,
1: uh,
2: do you yeah, know? I don't know. I bet it's that kid. I bet it's that same kid. It's that same kid. Mm. It's, it's the <laughs> there. We head. go.
1: There we go. Yeah, probably. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's strange. You have like the uh, the ideologues, and then the the vast crowd that just doesn't give a damn one way or other. You know I just i don't know it's just uh they they could go any which way uh politically or culturally i guess but uh, well you know as as long as uh as long as the um the met uh gala keeps happening i i i guess people feel like it's still okay for um everything
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna totally derail myself i I need to clarify something. I almost said your full name. I realized that maybe we've been saying your, your name wrong this whole time. How do you say your name, Fred, your whole first and last name? Well,
1: um, uh, uh, the, I see Fred or Frederick full name, uh, last, last name would be pronounced, uh, Rina kind of like that. It, it, it doesn't really translate. I mean, it's Finnish. So, um, everybody, um, pronounces it differently. So, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, okay. pretty much. A, a it's r- flexible. R- Rinna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just like, ah, We've man, been whatever. saying
0: Rin this whole time. Yeah. I took Marshall's lead, yeah, pretty, but I heard you close. say Rinny a couple times. Yeah. I like the yeah, flexibility.
1: That, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that uh, I think it means okay. small hill or low mound of something, something like that.
0: Google Translate says it means sl- slope. That's what Google says. Slope.
1: All right. Okay, slope. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> slope. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, when, when I was a kid, uh, we, we were in Los Angeles, and there was only five of them in the LA phone book, which is, it's like, mm-hmm. like the Tower of Babel of all phone books. I mean, it, it's got every name. You know, it, it's kind of like the, the book of God, really, you know, <laughs> just, I mean, just every surname you could imagine. So I have one last question.
2: And that is, what are you doing now, Fred? What's next?
1: Well, I think that collaboration we were talking about sounds like a winner. It, it's um, a bread spirit um, soup. Uh, I don't see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, the imagery that the text seems to conjure up what you wrote. Uh, you say it's about the velvet revolution that happened, I guess, uh, back uh, – Well, you know, it seemed like these countries, uh, Czech, Slovakia, now it's Czech and Slovakia. Anyway, they've all, Balkans have rebalkanized. It seemed like there was a lot of freedom (laughs) coming forth back in the 90s that turns out to be just dog shit. It just, just, it's like, oh, yeah, right. Now, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry. It just, uh, now, the idea was that, okay, the winners of the Cold War were just, just in it for the money. You know, just, yep. It just hasn't changed a bit. So, so here we are looking back going, wow, <laughs> that was something else. Because um, they, they were supposed to celebrate the end of the Cold War, 1989, 90, whenever the hell it was. And it was supposed to wow, we won triumph, peace dividend. Oh, my God, everything's going to be so cool. And that, that lasted two weeks. It just, just <laughs> totally evaporated. And it was like it never happened. You know, the Cold War was like, what, 50 years longer? I mean, what? And all of a sudden, poof, you know. So it's, yeah, it is weird. I mean, history is surrealism. There's no (laughs) way around it. Anyway, this is going to be weird.
0: (laughs) I've really had a wonderful time talking with you, Fred, and I I can't, I don't know. I almost feel like the ending is irrelevant now and (laughs) completion is irrelevant. I'm just happy to have met you. Um, yeah likewise. and thank you for talking with us yeah i I, right. I am I need nothing, yeah, there is no end all
1: right, well, like I say that you know the the work is completed at any stage of its um production, something like that, uh, so yeah, yeah like that,
0: <laughs> maybe it's like there's no ending, there are just pee breaks
1: yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> thank you <laughs> absolutely. I think it's time for a, for a nice uh try one of these IPAs over here and see uh how they're doing. And there's a thing called Magic. Laughing Monk Brewery over here. And they've got, that's what's gotten me through the pandemic and being isolated and all that from everybody, you know, with COVID. I I haven't caught it. I'm just hiding out. But these microbreweries deliver. Okay. And so that wow, has just absolutely saved, saved my bacon. What more do you it need? Save my bacon. Well, um, yeah. Oh, well, Let's they, not say goodbye. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah you're all welcome. right, folks. Thanks, Fred. Thank you Thank
0: Fred. You later. Wow. That was, that was a trip. <laughs>
2: a trip to the liquor store.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. That, so that was Fred Wren after all this time, getting to talk with him was pretty great. Uh, I uh, I feel <laughs> I feel uh, so tickled, and yet I feel a little distracted by what our normal structure would be, where I would do a closing because I feel like I just entered into a Fred Wren book and forgot right. my way back. Um. Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling, Marshall?
2: Well, I I, I love that Fred is such a singular character. In the world of publishing and artist books and libraries, he's, he's like kind of mythical, you know, I just recall the times that I've been uh, gone to book fairs with Fred, he he often appears at the Codex Foundation Book Fair with us um, every other year in February or March, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and he's... He's just like a character from one of his books stepping into the place, and he's um, he's well beloved, and, and I and I love that you know he provides this comic relief for like the entire field, <laughs> and and he's inseparable from his artwork. There, there's such continuity. It's like he drew himself. Yeah, it's like his his whole life um it's it's rare that you see artists really um immerse themselves in their work and you can't really tell the difference and It's kind of a healthy thing. I'm thinking of like Candace Hicks, who's you know a good part of her work is all about her personal experiences and mm-hmm. I think with Fred he just lives in this different universe that kind yeah. of walks around with him and no i
0: i feel I feel the continuum of what that means. I feel a little bit like. There's um, you know, the myth of Pan with the flute and enchanting yeah. people to follow him into the forest right. or whatever I feel a little bit like enchanted by the journey um yeah. <laughs> in a way that has sort of spun me around, but not not unpleasantly um yeah, what more can we add to this aside from just appreciating what space we entered
2: and just listening to the interview again and again and again.
0: (laughs) I really love the idea when, when, uh, when Fred was reading his books out loud and it just, it it made me think of those like stories, you know, that at least as a child, for me, you'd get these books and then you get a record and you play the record and it would give you a little ding and then you'd turn the page. And I feel like there's such a nice opportunity, especially with the way his website is laid out where every single book is inventoried page by page. And you could mm-hmm. spend hours just going through and reading yourself the books. Yeah. And just, I don't know, his background in music, at all so, sort of feels like that's a wonderful project. I want Fred Winn to be on a record reading me a book, and then I can go through them on his website page by page.
2: Yeah, or even on our website, that would be Optimum Entertainment.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just going to close us out. And say thanks to everyone for listening and for joining us for another episode of Bookland Calling. Check out our show notes for more details and for lots of ways to view Fred's work on his website and on ours. And as always, if you're a librarian or a curator at an educational institution anywhere in the world and you're interested in collecting Fred's work or other works like it, you can always email us at hello at org. It's like Brooklyn, but no R. Um, And you can check out our entire collection at bookland.org. And we'll see you next time. This podcast was made possible in part by funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs and in partnership with the City Council and from individual donors to Bookland, Inc. You can support this podcast by making a donation at bookland.org donate.